All right. Hello, hello, hello. This is your girl, Honey Bee Speaks Freely. And I am joined here by my good friend. Hola. Hello, everybody. It's your boy, Jamal, a.k.a. J-Rock. And, um, oh, yeah, also the founder of Don't Call Me Snickers. So let's talk about what is Don't Call Me Snickers. Better yet, how did you come up with this name? Oh, man, it was... <laughs> it was a, okay, so we went through, like, a whole bunch of names. And um, we're trying to figure out which one was the best one. Um, because some of them were already taken. And some of them, like, just didn't make sense. And so we ended up on... And don't call me Snickers. Because we were just talking about how... Um, how black people get called food items like Snicker bars or brownies or chocolate cake or all these other names. <laughs> okay. So we decided to uh, go with Don't Call Me Snickers. Well, I decided to go with Don't Call Me Snickers. Okay, okay, okay. Cool. And today's topic is going to be a toughie. Um today's topic is about mental health in the black community so what are your initial thoughts about mental health period irregardless of like nationality or ethnicity i feel like mental health period should be taken very seriously um i feel like it's um important to be taken seriously because that's the type of damage that's not physical but mental and mental damage can affect the physical part of your body. So it's really important for us to even acknowledge that there is a problem when it comes to mental health. Okay. And then how do you think that translates to um, the African-American or the African diaspora? Um, I feel as though um, African-Americans, um, just, just like in, like as a culture, Mm-hmm. Um, before we we didn't take mental health seriously, we were told to just suck it up, or you'll be okay, or you're just being dramatic type mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And by that not being taken seriously, it caused a much bigger problem for those in the future. For kids now, um, it's gotten better because their parents have went through it, um, but but people who are like what um 18 through 30 18 through 25 ish um their parents are still a bit older so they're still old school they still think about the same way so they don't view um and this is just as far as i've seen they don't Mm -hmm. view um mental health the same way as um some people do now Okay, okay, okay. So let's jump right into these questions. Question one is, what do you think is hard about dealing with mental health? Um, I feel like the most, the hardest part of dealing with mental health is trying to um, not sort of like fix yourself, mm-hmm. but healing the healing process is really hard for um for mental health because 
like people with depression, for example, mm-hmm. um, their healing process isn't going to be overnight. You know, it's not going to take like just a couple of weeks and then, oh, okay, you're good again. Because these, these kind of mental illnesses kind of like they stick with you. Right. So while you're going through these um, trials, um, it's, it's important that you just, um, that you, like, just right. don't, don't try to do it on your own. So um, I feel like the hardest part is, like I said, yeah, healing. The healing part is the hardest. <laughs> So, uh, I feel like the hardest part about mental health is is really honestly the first step admitting you actually have a problem, especially um, specifically talking about the African American or the African diaspora. It is not commonplace for you to be like, "Oh, I'm depressed," and it's accepted. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a situation of maybe belittling because it's like, "What do you have to be upset about or depressed about?" blah 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 it's not a okay you you feel these things so let's get you some help um it's also a type of situation where like religion plays a huge part and it's like pray it away you can't pray everything away um i'm a firm believer in that um i feel like if you could pray everything away but yet god gives you answers in mysterious ways can we both agree on that yeah and so if god gives you a doctor that's specifically I can't get my words together uh, specializes in mental health that is your answer <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah. if you have cancer you want to go to an oncologist that is God's answer to you you know what I'm saying Yeah. and I feel like in the black community it just frown- it's very frowned upon to show any type of like weakness or like discomfort and I don't understand why because we have been the people who have been at the disadvantage of all of this for all of our lives presently um that's just crazy to me yeah and it's, and it's interesting because um I, I, I've had discussions about this like while I've talked to people and like oh just pray it away I'm like yeah but if, if there's a doctor <laughs> that that could help me God God gave that that doctor the intelligence that he has or gave him the opportunity to use his intelligence to help people like me. Right. Why would I not <laughs> go to this person for help? Right. Um, I think we kind of answered the second question, which is um, what are your thoughts on mental health in the black community? I think it's non-existent. <laughs> non-existent. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I feel like um, in the black community... Uh, it's it's like a myth for some reason. Mm. Like, like like they see it as oh that doesn't exist. Like that's just in your head. Like yeah, it's in my head. Like we gotta we gotta fix that. <laughs> it right, be. right. Like, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be talking to myself, trying to calm myself down, and not having a whole panic attack. There's no reason for me to have to do that. Like no, there's there's no other human being. I mean, there's other human beings who who go through the same thing, mm-hmm. but that's not every human being that's not supposed to be normal you shouldn't have to do that right um what are some suggestions on fixing it like fixing the whole like you said the myth that mental health for black people does not exist what would you suggest i would suggest like a um like like for me a lot of problems can be solved with communication Mm. so i feel like if we just just talk to each other 
and mm. communicate like hey these things actually do exist you want to know how i know these things exist because i've seen it or i am it's happening to me right <laughs> like if i feel like if we had that discussion um i feel like if we if we did that it would be a lot less confusion a lot less people being like oh well this doesn't exist and some people be like oh well it does i feel like we all can just get together and be like hey here's the things that are going on within our community that we have to acknowledge. And once we acknowledge those things, and once we figure out, okay, well, these things exist, then we can all get together and figure out a way to fix it because we can fix it. We just have to work together in order to do that. For sure, for sure. I would also offer the thought that it's a miseducation. I think we have so much of this, like, I hate to use this, but like this slave mentality that we are just supposed to be like this and this is it for us, that it's such a miseducation and disservice to the people at hand, to be perfectly honest, because there, I believe this, and I was reading this article about it a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and it was talking about how um, some genetic disorders and even past traumas are double layered on top of your like chromosomes and genes i thought that was the wildest thing i had ever read but it made absolute sense you know how like some black people are afraid of water yeah well there was a study that the people who had a like i mean super fear of water to where like they had to um as children they had to be forced to be take to take baths and things like that they traced back their ancestry and a part of their lineage was lost in like the Atlantic slave trade due to like either passing away um, overboard or um, being like waterboarded or scalded with hot water. Uh. And that was documented in their family lineage. And I thought that was the wildest thing ever because it's like, that makes perfect sense. Cause you know how people are always like, you've been here before. Yeah. So for African-Americans or even in the African diaspora, uh, if you believe in reincarnation, your reincarnation is always ancestral. So you'll always come back black. You'll always come back as either somebody in your family or another part of your family lineage that you maybe did not know existed, but you will always come back black. You will always come back African-American or whatever kind of African part of the diaspora you are. And I think that is so interesting that we are literally reliving lives or living new lives as the same people with the same issues. And it's showing up now on our chromosomes, on our actual DNA. Yeah. And I think that is wild. Um, that's, that's very interesting. Because mm-hmm. I would explain why um, a lot of the stuff that still go on are continuously going on. Because we are our ancestors right and so like and it's only if you believe in that kind of stuff and you know i don't push for any type of religion or anything like that um but yeah so it's always ancestral so you'll always come back black you'll always come back um a part of your family lineage whether it be male or female or even hermaphrodite whatever you're you know you'll always come back as that. I think that's just crazy. And and again, just the fact that it shows up on your DNA, like that's wild. Um, So my next question is, do you think mental health issues are worse or more prevalent in men or women in the African diaspora? Mm. 
That's ah oh, man. I need to do my research on that. Um, I, believe... I got all the good questions. <laughs> I, I see. I see. Um, I feel as though it depends on what mental illness are we talking about. Because I feel as though um, depression goes all the way around. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I feel as though men have it more than women, um, but not by like a like a general margin or anything. It's more of like we just beat them by like a certain amount mm. because um, depression and in, in the African American community is strong. Like I've yeah. seen it. Like in almost like I haven't met a family yet who hasn't had um somebody that's either dealt with depression or dealing with depression as we speak. Mm. And and it's sad because it's like, well, you have the right to be happy when you want to be happy. Absolutely. And that kind of thing is just like taken for granted by a lot of people. And they're like and I and I hate I hate hearing this. I hate when people say, um, Oh, why don't you just be happier? Oh, why don't you just smile more? Like that's that doesn't fix it, <laughs> right? For sure. Because at the end of the day, you're still there with the mindset of 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 being depressed, and while you're being depressed, it doesn't fix it. it like you can't do anything, um, per se. But then it also gives the appearance of like, okay, nobody really cares, so I'm gonna fake it. Mm. And faking it and putting up that facade, people may think at that point that you're happy or that you're okay, but you're really not. And then, like, when you attempt to unlife yourself, um, they're like, oh, my God, I never saw it. You did see it because I told you, but you told me to just smile more. You know, you discredited my feelings. You invalidated me as a person, you know? And and it it happens a lot in, in Black households. Yeah. Um, a lot of children um talk go to their parents as a place of comfort and be like, hey, you know, I'm feeling this way. And then the parents will be like, No, you don't. Right. And it's just like, I'm pretty sure I do. <laughs> like, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm I'm in this body, like, and I'm feeling these things and, and my mind is is thinking this type of way and I don't want it to. And you're and then the parents are just like and, and like you said in the beginning, just pray it away. Or, yeah. or you'll be fine or like like I said to smile more or just be happy because or just be grateful and I'm like it's not it's not coming from a place of not being grateful because me I'm a prime example I had a great upbringing you mm. know um got a little rough at certain times but we made it through right um, but you don't you you wouldn't think when you see me that I was depressed right Nobody would. My teacher came up to me. Um, I talked to her the other day. She said, "You were the happiest child in my in my classroom," and I was like, "Oh, for real?" <laughs> I was, like, and she was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, that I'm glad you thought that. I'm very glad you thought that." <laughs> so, yeah. is it a point of healing for you, or is it that you're putting up such a great front that you're starting to believe it? Um, for me, um, and like I said, I've healed. Well, not healed, but I'm healing. But right. I feel like when I was younger, I would fake it so hard to the point where I was like, okay, maybe I am okay. You mm. know? And and just ignoring it for like the longest of time. Like I would I would just blatantly just be like, oh, I'm fine. 
Like, I am perfectly okay. There is nothing wrong with me. Just keep faking it. Just keep faking it. Just keep faking it. Just keep bearing it down. <laughs> and then one day, it kind of just erupted. And then I was like, okay, you're right, God. I do got to... Like, I just Tighten up. Tighten up. <laughs> I can't just be out here faking it the entire my entire life because right. that's not me getting better. That's right. Me, that's me struggling. Like, if I didn't have like all the things that's going on with me going on with me, I feel like I would be doing so much better. <laughs> but, but in time, in time. Exactly. Like, but in time, it will get better. And so, with saying that, I'm saying. It, you can fake it, but that doesn't mean you're fully healed. Just because you fake healed doesn't mean you're healed. Right. Like, just because you broke your leg and you're still walking on it doesn't mean <laughs> you can keep walking on it. And I'm telling you right now, from experience, I actually broke my leg. What they told me was a sprain, but it was broken in three different places. And when I say it does not get any better, <laughs> it does <laughs> yeah. not get any better. Um, But do you think... So my next question to you is, and this is going to be a toughie for me, especially, and I want you to go first because I have so much to say about this because it's a toughie for me. Um, What does it mean to you when older black people say, just keep living. You don't have nothing to be depressed about. You don't know nothing about struggles. Oh, it hurts. It hurts hard. Um, Because I've had, I've had old people come to me and be like, oh, you have nothing to be depressed about. And I, and I sit down, I look at them like, you don't know that. Right. You don't know what goes on inside of my head. Mm. You don't know what goes on inside of my life. You just know what, you just know what I show you. Right. I say that so much. Yeah. You just know what I show you. You don't know everything that's going on with me and what's going on inside of me. So with that, um, I say you just have to educate them because they don't know what you're going through. Mm. now I'm not saying tell them your whole business right but let them know like hey I do have things that I'm going through right now right and I'm working on it Mm. so if I'm depressed I'm depressed (laughs) right if I'm telling you I'm depressed and that I need help I am depressed and I need help I'm not doing this for fun this isn't fun for me (laughs) right right so for me um I decided at 16 that I needed to be in therapy because I needed to be able to make better bonds with people due to the fact that I had, I knew I had abandonment issues that I was suffering from like some form of PTSD and also like some memory issues. Um, There was a point in my life where I was missing chunks that I couldn't remember, but I knew I was there. And when people would talk to me about them, I couldn't actively recall any of it. Or like any terrible event or somebody passing, things like that. Um, I could not recall. And when it came to making bonds with people, they were very superficial because I was always afraid of somebody leaving me. Whether it was through death, which is inevitable, or just getting up and saying she's too much and just leaving me. Um, Not a fun fact about my life, but a fun fact about my life. My parents are divorced. So my parents divorced when I was six and my older brother was 10. Um, It made a very lasting impact, not only on me and my brother, and I'll talk about Trey a lot, um, but about me 
and the way that I viewed the world and viewed other people, especially being that young. So when I decided at 16, I was like, mom, I think I'm depressed. I think I need to go to therapy. And she said, uh, you have food in your mouth, a roof over your head, clothes on your back and a clean, dry place to sleep. Why and what do you even know about depression? was the biggest slap in my face that I had ever felt to date because now sitting here as a 25 year old I'm able to objectively look back and be like maybe she just did not understand but at the same time at 16 I feel like you're very well um understanding with very well understanding your feelings and for her not to take it seriously um, really hurt me and all her sisters and my uncles and the older people in my family because the majority of the people in my family are like 50 plus um, them saying pray it away or what you know about struggling or just keep just keep living is the one thing that pushes me to like the nth degree of pissivity oh yeah because my mom said that to me so one day I came home from school I think I was in seventh or eighth grade and I told my mom I said I'm tired of getting bullied I'm tired of people being mean to me you always think I'm the one bullying people but they're bullying me and she goes Brittany you may be the bully and for reference I was bigger than a lot of the other kids and I mean weight wise I have never been a small like skinny person Mm-hmm. Um, and so my mom always assumed that I was the one being bullied, but I put on this hard shell of a person because I had to in order to make it through the school day. Um, I was getting bullied so bad that I had girls for real, and I cannot make this up. And as a woman, you know what real bullet looks like putting used tampons in my locker. Um, my books would smell like dead bodies and fish um, because there was tampons left in my locker. Or they would pour spoiled milk um, in my backpack when I had PE class. They would steal things from me. I actually had one girl steal an anklet that my dad had gotten made for me out of my locker, uh, out of my gym locker. And then she took uh, what she thought were uh, drugs out of my backpack and told the teacher I was popping pills. When... um, (laughs) They were the white Tic Tacs. Do you remember the white ones? Yeah. They were the white Tic Tacs. <laughs> um, and so one day I came home and I told myself I had enough and I was planning to unlike myself. Mm-hmm. And my mom told me when I was telling her all this, she was like, you'll be fine. Just keep living. It gets better. Just keep living. So that afternoon, before band practice, I tried to unlike myself. And my mom, from that point forward, her whole tone, when I told her was sad, she would helicopter me. But why did it take, and my question always is, and it always has been to myself and to her, why did it take me trying to unlife myself for you to believe me? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, that's, that's the reason I said these questions are very tough one for me because you want to give them the benefit of the doubt and 
you know, you want to be like, maybe they didn't understand, but at the same time, it's like, how can you not understand being a black person in the world, period, is a depressing experience. And that's so sad to say, because no amount of money can make you unblack, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's very, um, not only is it a very humble experience, humbling experience being a black person, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because I feel like the view that I have on life allows me to be able to touch people and be able to speak to them in such a way from a place of understanding, first and foremost, love secondly. And as I want to like empathize or even sympathize with you, I feel like I have that unique view being, um, an African-American and not only just an African-American, but a woman. Mm-hmm. So. And that's interesting because I, I can't, I can't remember if my parents were ever like supportive of that type of stuff with me. Mm-hmm. Like whatever came to my depression. I just remember, I think I, I think I had did something and my dad instantly put me in um, counseling Mm. and I can't remember what I did <laughs> but all I remember is us driving back home and him being like when we get back you're going to start counseling and I was just being like okay because um, cause whenever I was younger uh, same thing like I was bullied a lot um, because of how dark I was and how big I was and um, they would I I would get jumped like a lot off of off of just like just them not thinking that I was good enough or mm. just off of the basis of just being how dark I was. They just they just didn't like it apparently. <laughs> Cause I would almost be suspended majority of the time. Especially while I was in California. Man, I got spit on. I had death threats. I had, um, and 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 the crazy thing is, I was like in what third grade, fourth, fifth grade, and and I had people like like spitting on me. I had people um, threatening me, threatening to attack me, threatening to beat me up. Um, I think there was one time there was um, this kid. He got bees put in his backpack because they thought it was mine. Um, but they, they they put like like the hive of bees in this kid's book, thinking it was mine. You know, thank wow. God it wasn't me. Because if it was me, I I don't know. <laughs> right. But yeah, and then when you and it hurts when you go to them like, hey, I'm depressed, and like you have nothing to be depressed about. Like, yes, I do. <laughs> I have a lot to be depressed about. This bullying thing. It's wild. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's like I've had I've had drinks thrown on me. I've had kids like pin me down and like just it was awful. But yeah, man, it was it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Speaking to like outside bullying I had one girl post my address I don't know how she found it but posted my address on social media and told people that I would be at home this time through this time and that if they wanted to shoot and kill me they could oh yeah like that's wild and mind you this is like 
eighth, ninth grade. Like, are you have nothing better to do? Yeah, like go do something. Do something productive. Um, this is a that's a great extra segue into this next question. What impact do you think social media has had on mental health in the black community? Uh, you want me to go first or you go first? I'll go first. So I think it has the best and the worst effect on African Americans uh, or again the diaspora because we have seen the come up of like yes 4C hair, yes curly kinky hair, yes dark skinned women, yes dark skinned men, yes hashtag black boy joy, yes hashtag um, black girl magic yes hashtag like black girls rock if you know black girls rock is it's a um it's a thing that BET does every year and has different black women celebrities host the events showing like black excellence yes matter of fact yes hashtag black excellence right so like i feel like this is the best things that have come out of it and more education and more it being open situation being like hey uh, these kind of mental illnesses they exist but here's a safe place where you can do it and here are some not only black counselors black therapists black um, psychiatrists um, black nurses and doctors to get you where you need to go you know like I think that is the most powerful thing that's happened and then we have so many celebrities coming out saying yes I've dealt with schizophrenia all my life or I dealt with bipolar all my life or I've dealt with chronic depression or SAD which is seasonal depression so like when the seasons change, like when it gets darker and colder, a lot of people tend to get depressed because there's not much as much sunlight and sunlight does affect your mood. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some people who have SAD and some of them are actors. Some of the ones we know and love. Um, I think that is the best part of all of this creating and facilitating that space where you know you can be black and depressed where you can be black and schizophrenic. You can be black and have PTSD. Um, those kinds of things and they can teach you as a person of color how to deal with those things or help you deal with those things or lend an ear and be like hey so this is how I cope with these things I think that is the best part of this whole situation now for the other side I have a lot more to say about the negative than I do the positive but I'm gonna keep it short and sweet with that um nobody is gonna tell you the struggle they're only gonna post the roses so mm-hmm. we're not going to show you that we had to dig a hole and plant these seeds and water them for six to eight weeks for them to even sprout. But we are going to show you how beautiful and big this bush of flowers is. Right? So yeah. like that's my biggest issue. Um, there are still so many people uh, especially when it comes to um, black men and depression and black men and anger issues that is so much a caricature of like this enraged black man or this enraged uh sad black man that's a beta male which that term in itself is ridiculous but it shows so much ugly we already have enough and enough people saying that we are ugly as a whole diaspora and that we need help and that black on black crime and blah 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 why why are we then demonizing people who are coming out saying hey i am depressed hey i am this 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 and the other um like for instance this is how social media has impacted my life with uh 
with now diagnosed mental health issues. So I have ADD, which is um, associative dissociative amnesia disorder, mm-hmm. which early in this conversation, I was talking about how I was missing chunks of my life and I couldn't remember them. Well, that's where the associative disorder comes in. So dissociative order disorders block, keep, or transform memories, situations, or personalities. Whew, that's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> but I was not remembering chunks of parts of my life because my mind was like, this is too much for this is too much for Honeybee to process right now. So we're gonna keep it from her. Um around 15 and 16, 17, well, between 16 and 18, I started to remember some of those things because my mom was like, okay, she's not able to process these things. And it kept coming back to me as movie trailers. I couldn't remember who this child was that was being abused. I couldn't remember how this was happening, but it felt like I knew the story. And every time I saw the story in my dreams, I was like, somebody needs to save this little girl. Why is this happening to her? Like, when did this happen? God, why do I know all these people in this story? Only to figure out and to find out it was me. Mm. Um, so that's disassociative amnesia then I have disassociative depersonalization (laughs) and that one has taken me years to grab a hold of so I was officially diagnosed at 17 and again I'm 25 now Mm -hmm. and I did not get a grip on life as a whole until 22 because the personalization kept me from realizing that all the bad things that had happened were not so like for instance um if you grabbed a gun and robbed a grocery store and then shot a person in the face and then the police caught you and you were like uh, I didn't do that. That other person did it. And they showed you the camera film and you were looking at it and you knew that it was somebody you recognized that almost looked identical to you, but you were so far disassociated from that person. You were like, no, that's not me. That's that person. So it'd be like Brittany saying, oh yeah, that's Brittany, but that's not me, Brittany. That's Brittany. But knowing, kind of knowing that you are the same, one and the same. I know that's really hard to imagine, but that's just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how any better to explain it. It's almost like you see yourself doing something, but you but you feel like it's not you. Yeah. But you know that you're doing it. But then it's not your actions. It's really hard to explain. But I was going through that for a very long time. So like the things that were happening to me, like some of the things that happened to me while I was in college, some of the things, all the things, all the bad, ugly, gross things that happened to me when I was... Um, a child, I was like, God, this little child is so sad. Like, oh my goodness, why is she so sad? And I would be going through daily life like that. But it was me talking to me about me. Like, it was mind blowing. And when I finally figured that out after going through so much therapy, um, I had to start living. I think the hardest part was having to live within that truth that it was me. Mm. Living in that truth and saying, damn that is you Brittany so how do we deal with this now and that's a really hard concept to then have to take on the problems of another person that you feel like is not you like why am I have to go through this because she could have kept going through this 
but it's all one and the same and that is so hard to process and that is so hard to just um deal with like is the most draining but most rewarding experience I think I've had in my whole life um and it's a daily struggle, but I am much better far craft what I used to be when I was a teenager and a far craft what I used to be when I was uh, in my very early 20s. Um, but yeah. Okay. So I feel like those are the best and the worst things about social media. Um, and the reason I was telling the story was because, so to wrap that little part up, is that I posted it in a black girls group a black woman's group that was specifically for uh, mental disorders, including like general anxiety and depression. And I got bullied. When I say straight bullied, straight bullied. I had one lady tell me that um, allowing myself to depersonalize or detach uh, was my fault. And that I should have spoken up when uh, I started to get depressed or I felt like I was creating another personality in which to live in. Um, Because the way I explained it to other people was like, Brittany is the functioning version, which is the version that everybody gets. Charnay is the person I truly am. And then Primrose is the higher self who is overseeing everything. So Charnay is the going between between my higher self and the functioning version of myself. But Charnay also is the filter. Mm. Charnay says, oh, nope, this is too much for Brittany to handle right now. We have to keep continuing going on with life. So I'm going to stick that in the back of Brittany's mind so we can continue to move forward. And at one point, Charnay was like, okay, we have too much, too many files back here. We're going to have to go through these. So she started spitting them out to Brittany for Brittany to do with like, this is what I've been holding back from you. While Primrose is like, I've been telling y'all to get this shit done. It ain't nobody doing the work. So now I'm just going to let it ride. Mm-hmm. But of course, being that Primrose is my higher self and everybody has a higher self. Um, she was kind of the, the guide at that point, but also it took a lot of time for all of us to be together as one. So we're all in harmony and we're all one person now instead of living different lives, if that makes any sense. Yeah. <clears throat> so she she and a couple other girls were just like, this sounds like a made-up disorder. Da, 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 da. So I started like posting links from like government, like CDC and all that kind of stuff and like psychology today all that kind of thing and they were all like we didn't know and I was like well I don't want to be in this group anymore because <laughs> like I mean they bullied me to a point where like girls were making fake accounts and um screenshotting my posts within the group and posting it everywhere else so I was getting like messages from like my mom's friends and being like why would you post something like this your mom would be so embarrassed if she knew that you were talking to people about da 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 that's another thing I don't like about the black community. Why are you trying to save face? How about you save your son or your daughter? Yeah. Um, 
my mom on multiple occasions would talk to me about it and she was like I just really feel like you know we can put you in therapy but I really feel like you need to take down this post and da 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 because now all her friends have seen it mm-hmm. and all her friends have shared it or all her friends have called their friends things like that and I was just like mm, you care more about saving face than saving me that really hurts yeah but um, what about you how do you feel? If you, Let me read the, reread the question for you. What impact do you think social media has had on mental health in the Black community? I feel like it, it's, it's a good and a bad thing. Um, it's a good thing because it's spreading awareness and um, you, get, you get to see how, um, how many people, how you're not alone. Mm. And how... Um, does how other people can help and they can give advice to say, hey, you know, these I'm also going through this and here's how I cope with it. So that's also a great thing, a really good thing to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bad thing as well because mm-hmm. it gives an outlet for other people to attack you um, based off of uh, what you're trying to um, cope with or, or what you're trying to heal from. It gives it gives like a much bigger um, area for people to come into your life and just torment you for no reason. God, yes. Because <laughs> like, let's just say, it, like before, it used to just be at school. At least, at least you can come home and at least try to fix it from there. But if you're online as well, yeah, the kids you know from school are also online, so they also see you online. So if you post a picture of yourself saying, hey, you know, I think I look good today. Or, hey, you know, body positivity. Or, hey, you know, this and the third. They can just come right in and be like, nah, you ugly. Or, nah, you're stupid. Or, nah, you look horrendous. And this and the third. Or, oh, that shirt doesn't fit you. And, and all that other dumb stuff. For no reason, might I add. <laughs> right. Um. So, it's a good and a bad thing. It's good when it comes to the point of uh, spreading awareness, but it's bad to the point where the awareness becomes um, a liability to be attacked. Mm. Mm, that's powerful. I really appreciate that opinion. That like, everything you said, I super like. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if you could say anything to the younger black queens, what would you say? Younger black queens. Um, don't be worrying about these dudes out here, uh, for real. <laughs> I don't keep it a bean, like, bro, don't stop them right now. All right, they're trying to figure their stuff out just like you. Mm. Um, if you find someone that you like, that's cool. Do what you gotta do. If you want a relationship, cool. Don't let them change you. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Stick to your guns. Stick to who you are. If you feel like you're changing for the better, that's one thing. Mm. But if you're if you're changing for them, then you don't need to be with them. You shouldn't mm. be changing yourself for anybody. Okay, okay, set a mouthful. Okay, okay, okay. I see the vision. Um, to my young black kings, my princess. Um, first of all, I love you. If nobody tells you that, I love you. I love you without knowing you. I love you without knowing your story. I love you 
for the person you are today and not what you could possibly provide or the potential you have. I love you right here, right now, in this present form. And I hope that sounds like a hug to your heart because that's what I mean it as. Um, but please learn to say I am hurt. Please learn to say I'm sad. Please learn to be vulnerable. If you, if with nobody else, be vulnerable with yourself enough to say, I need help. I'm angry and I don't know why. I'm hurt and I don't know why. I need to talk to somebody. And please be around people who facilitate or help you facilitate a space where you can be that kind of vulnerable with them and with yourself. I do not. I do not want to see any of you all um, in mental institutions. don't want to see you all in jail because you lashed out and end up hurting somebody or hurting yourself. I don't want to be the one to tell your parents that you've died. And the only reason why I feel like I would be in that particular situation is because I actually work in the emergency room and now work in pediatrics. I bounce in between the two. And so I see... When you have to come to the emergency room because you're on a 1013 from school or that the school feels like you need to be psych- like evaluated, uh, have a psychiatric evaluation, you have to come and see me. I'm the one who sits with you, holds your hand, even when you break down. And for whatever reason, I guess I just have that um, heart where it's like it shows and I kind of wear it on my sleeve. And you all feel comfortable breaking down. Break down with other people because it should not take you throwing desks, cussing out people, jumping people, getting into fights for somebody to believe that you're hurt and that you need help. And please learn to say that. I don't care if you have to say it multiple times. Say it until somebody believes you. Because I will always believe you. So. And Jim... And uh, Mr. Don't Call Me Snickers, a.k.a. Jamal, a.k.a. Jay Reezy, what is your final thoughts and your message to kings out there, princes? Hey, um, final message is just work on yourself, bro. I mean, if you out here, you know, try to impress others, you can't better yourself. Um work work on yourselves treat your 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 sisters like queens don't be out here doing the most <laughs> um you know listen to your parents unless they're telling you to do something to harm yourselves then don't listen to your parents call the police yeah call the police on that one that's not a good look um <laughs> but yeah man just just focus on yourselves try to be better every day. Mm. Um, so to my queens, my princesses, um, please know that you are much more than what the world is going to say that you are. They're going to say you're loud. They're going to say you're ghetto. They're going to say you're not smart enough. They're going to say you're not good enough. They're going to say you're not pretty enough. But realize one of the biggest things that was kind of an ego boost for me, and this is going to sound very egotistical, and I really don't care. It's going to sound like I'm a narcissist. But when I learned that Black women are genome Eve, 
And not only that, we have the Eve gene, which means we are the mother of all races. Oh, you couldn't tell me nothing after that point. Because I was like, I can create every person who says that I am not worthy. They come from me. I feel like that was one of the most powerful things that I had ever heard. Not only that, but realize that you get to create your own destiny. You get to create what does and what doesn't stick. You get to create the person that you are. And as long as you breathe, somebody's going to talk about you, baby. No matter whether you are the kindest person, whether you're the prettiest person, whatever, they're going to always talk about you. But one thing you must remember is that you love you for you every day of the week. And everybody else's opinion is not your business. That is just you being nosy. If you ask, you ask. But anybody else's opinion who willingly gives you that information, you didn't ask for it, that's that's null and void. You get to create who you are and who you are as a very special person. But please give us your handle one more time, Jamal. Y'all already know what it is. It's your boy, Jay Reezy, a.k.a. the founder of Don't Call Me Snickers. Where can we find your podcast? Y'all can find it on Anchor, also on Spotify. Wonderful, wonderful. And one thing we're going to say every day that we have these podcasts, we're going to say in closing, always behave. Always behave. I like it. <laughs>